Welcome to Six in the Mix. A band of brothers talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 26. We are a full six in the mix. We welcome Ethan back. Uh, Just a reminder, please drop comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page, Six in the Mix Podcast, or on our Twitter page, at Six in the Mix Pod. So the week that was, what uh, what are your what are your guys' thoughts on this third vaccine coming out? Cuomo's castle crumbles. Trump speaks at CPAC. Spring training games kick off. Stimulus checks for everyone and their brother. What is on your mind in the week that was? I'm buying a hot tub with my stimulus check. I can't wait. <laughs> Plugging that bad boy in, and I am going to I'm going to sit in there. And wait for my next one. Pumped for that. But Jeremy, can you order a hot tub right now? In our neck of the woods, hot tubs are like back ordered like 12 months when when we had some friends look into it a couple months ago. Is that right? I've not yeah. I've not looked into it honestly, but I, I actually honestly am considering doing it. But if it's twelve months, shoot, I better get on the on the horn here. Craigslist, man, they they're ready. They're ready right now. Go pick one up tonight. Yeah, free with missing pump. <laughs> yeah, slight crack in exterior, <laughs> but everything else great. Can find parts, but you must find them. What else stood out to you guys this past week? Cuomo ticks me off. I just, I just, he just ticks me off. I mean, and I guess it's the media too that is not giving as much attention to this as anybody else on the other side, even if you if you even have a hint of being on the side of a GOP. This guy is skating like crazy. Is Jeremy, anybody, did Jeremy, anybody else feel like that? How dare you criticize an Emmy award winning governor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you get an Emmy, does that give you immunity? I mean, what what is this? What is happening? Oh, it icks me off. It just makes me sick. <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's good to see some from uh, his side of the aisle, though, starting to call him out, too. So I think the tide is turning, though. I, I don't know if you guys heard him today. It's, it, you know, he's he, he went with, the, oh, it was just playful banter. And you know how I do. I do all these all these, you know, interactions and interviews with you guys. And it's just playful banter. And I apologize to anybody who I may have offended. Uh, if you listen to the two gals have come out, I think you did a lot more than offend them. You know, it's it's just absurd. Now, I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of uh, I go back and forth on this issue with with uh, Cuomo because, yeah, I think he's he's uh, an imbecile. But I think once the Democrat Party has realized he is has no need for them, I think I, I swear that I, I, I don't know what it is. I just think that these these women, I know we're supposed to believe them, but I just think they have them lined up, ready to go when when they want to get rid of somebody. And I think that's kind of what's happening with is do I dare say that's what happening is happening with Cuomo? Just because all, all of a sudden, all these women start coming out that, you know, as soon as the numbers came out about the of the nursing homes and and all the all that, and then they want to distance themselves from Cuomo. Well, there's no better way than distant to distance yourself by throwing them under the bus more. I don't know. I just I just I just have a hard time believing some of these things that come out. And and I know it's it's somebody on the other side that uh, on the democratic side but i don't know i think they're that ruthless they will they will take down anybody they they don't need anymore 
I suppose. I mean, corruption is at every level and it's high, high, high at those places. But it's just I mean, it's just the silence ticks me off. And yeah. if you're going to be if you're going to be, you know, championing this, you know, Me Too movement, it just it, it needs to be, you know, complete uh, and, and even on both sides. But I I don't know. I you know, again, I think it just demonstrates that leadership in america doesn't matter who you are at 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 these levels there is more garbage going on behind the scenes than anybody knows about and i think it's so thick and so deep that you're right maybe maybe there's stuff behind it but still if this wasn't it it would be something else it's just going to come out of the woodwork it's just going to end up being a disaster but anyway that ticked me off this week the most i think do you guys do you guys think he'll be he'll be like impeached or forced to resign or do you just think his career is over once his term is is done which i think is relatively soon right is it next year or how much time does he have left i don't know isn't is is it to just to make some more smoke screen to take attention on biden and and uh harris and some of that and Who's the next? Who's the next one that's going to fall down? I, you know, I don't know. It's just it's bogus. I do, I do believe his election is this upcoming fall uh, because okay, I think I it was. there was a uh, somebody just announced recently that they were running in opposition to him, like in the last couple of weeks. And I can't remember the guy's name who announced uh, right after all the stuff broke with the nursing home statistics that were inaccurate. And were pressured um, the release of them. This uh, another guy just filed the paperwork and announced that he was going to run and try and um, oppose him. So I, I think it's this fall. I think yeah, you, you, the question of you know what's on your mind. I think the last week or so. I think more than just the last week, but the last couple of weeks. I think one of the biggest things on my mind has been Ravi Zacharias and just the reality of of what has been percolating, I think for the last year or more, but, but that we've really seen some of the, the, the research and the evidence and some of the independent people that have been hired to, to uncover it. And I, I appreciate the the honesty with which the Robbie Zacharias ministries kind of brought everything out and said, here's the, here's the full report and not tried to, to hide it. But I think my heart just has been really heavy um, and really grieved for for the women, for families, for, and I think for, for people whose faith, you know, was significantly impacted positively by his ministry and now has been, has been that the enemy can use to attack, um, and hurt people's faith as well. Fill me in. Cause I'm, I'm ignorant of this story. What's going on? Um, well, so, you know, Ravi Zacharias died, um, yep. last year, a few months ago, some information started leaking out. It's not the first time. Um, there's been a couple other instances in the past couple of years, about a year and a half ago or so, maybe two years ago, there was a story that broke about a woman in Canada who said that he was trying to blackmail her. He accused her of trying to blackmail him. There were photos that were sent to his personal email address that he said were unsolicited, but he managed to convince enough people that you know it was nothing. Uh, well, then a few months ago, um, other women started coming forward and saying some things and so the Ravi Zacharias International Ministry hired an independent research firm to go back and, and review. And so they went back and reviewed and they discovered, you'll have to go back and read the report, but basically they discovered um, a significant amount of evidence that he was someone who was serially taking advantage of women sexually, that he was a predator in, in many ways. 
And, and it just wasn't once or, you know, twice, it was potentially a hundred or more, um, over the course of a decade or longer. And it just, it's, it's a tragedy of, of the first order. Um, and it's just, it's heartbreaking for so many people. Um, but apparently he had cell phones that were unknown to anyone. He had email addresses that were unknown to anyone. And just he used his position um, and his power to manipulate and coerce women um, in a lot of different ways, um, in ways that are wrong, sinful and and disgraceful in many ways. So it's it's a it's a it has been a pretty significant fall for, fall from grace in the last couple months. If you haven't kept up with it, it's worth to at least, you know, reading the report isn't for the faint of heart. Hmm. But, um, I think, yeah, I, I think, I mean, God's still good. He's still on his throne. And so I think we can, we can rest in that, but that's, that's been a big part of what's been on my heart the last few weeks is just the reading and hearing more of the reality of what was done in God's name. Um, even, even sp- using spiritual manipulation against some of these women, just horrifying. Yeah, I think this uh, this would probably deserve its own topic on a podcast. Maybe even next week it might fit in as we get into Fix Your Eyes. I think the topic for next week, I'm going to tease a little bit um, at the end. This, this might fit well into a, a whole episode theme because um, I know Casey and I were talking about it this weekend. Just, yeah, what, what does it mean? <laughs> is it is there anything true with it? You know, how does how does that work? It's it's really it's really tough issues to, to walk through. So. All right. Anything else from the week that was I want to touch on before we get into some some topics? Well, the conservative meeting down in Florida was taking place at the end of this week's CPAC. And that was mm-hmm. that was interesting. And I, I didn't watch much of it. I try to catch the highlights of certain certain folks who I think have their ducks in a row pretty well. So I, I know they had their straw poll that they, they did today to see who who would you want to be the Republican candidate in 2024. And Trump still came out way ahead of, of a lot of the other candidates, which it certainly seems like if Trump so desires, he will be the candidate again in 2024. So it's 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 interesting. I know we've got different different views within our group here of, of Trump and um, his presidency. But, uh, you know, with with the way he went out on, on January, was that 6th, January 5th or 6th with that Capitol insurrection and him being blamed for it, whether you think he was or, or not. I, I just, to me, when that happened, I saw that's going to prevent him from ever being elected again, just the way it's going to be cast upon him. So it would really, to me, seem like an uphill battle for him to be, be the candidate or win, not to be the candidate, but it will be a very much uphill battle for him to pull it off, I think, unless this current administration just makes such a debacle out of the country that even the media has to somehow admit that. Um, but interesting, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but in second place on the straw poll was Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor. And then third place was the governor of South Dakota, Christy Noem, who I thought did a great job with her speech. A quick uh, quick update on CPAC from, from my limited perspective. You got to look at uh, bringing the, the, one of the newest Floridians perhaps onto the podcast, uh, Kenny Snow. Uh, I think uh, I think we would do well on, on a couple fronts to, to get his perspective on on that, so that's uh, that's something we should tease out. I don't know if that'll be next episode, but uh, you know, Kenny, if you're if you're hearing this, uh, you, you might want to get a microphone ready, bud. All righty, well, we're going to get uh, into our first topic. I'm going to turn it over to Ethan, uh, who's going to get get us kicked off. 
you know, I, I, I for one, am just trembling with anticipation for uh, the discussion of this topic. <laughs> I, I have so much excitement, I can hardly contain myself. And yes, I do have two seatbelts buckling me in for this conversation. But uh, as, as we do hear the news today or the last day or two about uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being approved, now there's, there's three options and we are seeing a, a significant ramp up of vaccinations that are going out, a uh, plan to really kind of move through different groups of people in our, in our culture. Uh, we wanted to take a few minutes and just talk about each of our perspectives on uh, what's your plan for your family in regards to vaccinations? How are you thinking of moving forward? What are some of the factors at play for you and some of those things? And so um, I thought maybe we could start with uh, the one of us who's probably the most interested in it. And uh, so I'm going to let Ryan kick us off with uh, as a result of his fascination. I'm going to pass the baton over to him. Thanks, Ethan. These are certainly exciting times we're living in. and. I, I believe within this group, this is a good conversation because we do have quite a variety of opinions, I, I believe, on vaccines. And so many scientists and doctors are calling vaccines the way out of this pandemic. And so to me, some people say, well, that's not letting the natural body handle things on its own. I mean, I, I appreciate that because I don't like a lot of invasion into my body either. And yet I, I see vaccines as kind of a grace that, that science has provided us to, to avoid some of the consequences of some of these diseases. So for me and my family, we, we will be interested in getting the vaccines once they're available. I, I don't think we've got two daughters. They're relatively young. I, I don't know what the data is showing for their age group yet, but uh, kids typically aren't that affected by, by COVID. So that's still a question up in the air for us is how, how do we handle that if vaccines become available for kids? But for, for Aaron and me, we are interested in getting it because we, we do want to prep the body uh, in, case, in case the virus does, does uh, infect us. So I'll say this about the different vaccines that are out there right now. So I believe we have now three vaccines that have been approved. Uh, we've got Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson most recently. Of those three, only the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, has, is a one-dose regimen. The other two are a two-dose regimen. So here, here's a little bit of my confusion with vaccines. It sounds like you have to get the two-dose regimen with the other two. I don't even know if you could sign up and say, no, I only want one dose. And yet my understanding is once your body, either through natural infection or through vaccine treatment, once your body's exposed, you build up immunity. And so I don't know why they're forcing two doses. They say the percentages are a little bit higher. But what I have seen is that even with one dose over the course of time, you're going to have decent immunity. And what all three vaccines do is they prevent serious disease, hospitalization, and deaths almost completely, which is just remarkable. And so to me, that, that makes it a no-brainer that I will take the vaccine. I'm, I'm going to try to just get one dose because I, I, I'm of the opinion from what I've read, what I've watched, that one, one dose will build up that immunity in your body and your body will be ready to fight when the virus comes. Because at this point, uh, it just seems like this is going to be one of those viruses that's going to be circulating around us for a while and hit or miss whether you're, you're, you're one of the people who gets radically impacted by the virus. 
And just with my, I had asthma from time to time growing up, and I have been in the ER uh, with trouble breathing as a kid. So I, I'm going to play it safe. I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it. So once the vaccine is available, I, I will get, I want one dose, and I think that will do the trick for my body, uh, hopefully providing me long-term immunity. So that's our plan. Pretty sure on the adults right now, pretty confident. We like one dose each, and with the two girls, we'll just have to see. And we've talked about this before on our podcast, but we don't want to be the first ones. We kind of want to see how, how people handle it, what it looks like. And, and the data is really starting to come out, especially out of Israel, where they've, they've vaccinated so much of their population. And we're getting better, better stats on that each day. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for setting the stage for us. Um, Matt, do you want to follow that up? Sure. Um, as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine, Casey and I disagree on that. They'll just state that very clearly. So anything I'm going to say after this is just my um, my take on it. So for me, based on the risk factor of that I have just being exposed at work to so many different people from different walks of life, when it comes out, uh, I will be um, getting the vaccine when it's made available to the frontline workers. So that's our plan there. I do not believe that it'll be uh, administered in our family beyond myself. All right, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit similar. I think I think this next week is when we're supposed to be school, school administrative staff and teachers and nurses are supposed to be in, the, in line ready to go. We had a, a kind of a Zoom call with our local health departments on Friday, and it's supposed to be ready to go here shortly. I think we're going to take somewhat of the similar approach that Matt does uh, or has in his family. But because I'm I'm constantly dealing with kids and in school and that kind of thing, I think they're they're I I will probably get it. I still haven't made up my mind completely. I don't think we're going to give it to our kids just because we don't see necessarily the uh, the need there. And Amber's not necessarily at all uh, convinced that that she needs it either. And we're basing it on some of our just personal experience with being in contact with people and we haven't gotten it or perhaps we have and we just don't know it yet. We haven't been we haven't been tested for antibodies. Um, but I, I know just for my family, um, my brothers and sisters have all had it. Their families have all had it. The thing that happened with them is they lost their taste uh, and smell. Uh, so basically their senses and had a, a headache for a day or two. And that was it. You know, I'm in their gene pool. And I if that's the severity of it, and I know each person is different, it could hit me, you know, a whole lot harder if, if I, I did get it. So, you know, I... <sighs> If I had to just gut it right now, I'd probably say no. Because I'm in the school industry and because or education industry and because there's there's um, uh, others who would appreciate that just because it would keep others safe. That's kind of my only reason why I would uh, consider it. So anyway, that's kind of where we're at. Jeremy, a question on yeah. on your siblings who have had it and you said the loss of taste and smell, which I know is a common symptom. Yeah. Have they have they recovered those senses? Yeah, and uh, in short order, it wasn't wasn't that long at all. Uh, I think it was my brother uh, who's seven years younger than I. Uh, he had a fever and a headache, and just kind of like a one day thing. Got some body chills, and it, it acted kind of. I mean, he said it was it was like you had a cold and you just felt bad for a day. You know, you're just kind of out of it, achy and whatever which I know those are the symptoms or at least part of the symptoms that come with it. He said, you know, he got some rest and, and was able to bounce back pretty quickly. 
because of work protocols and other things, he went and got tested. And then that's when they found out that, yes, they were in fact positive. But most of the kids didn't even didn't even register as positive on the test. So, you know, it's very it's very scarce uh, in that realm. So, you know, I, I just I because our family genetically, I guess, wasn't really impacted, at least my my siblings, including my twin sister. I, I don't think I would be affected more than, you know, what I would be just feeling bad for a day or two. So I, I, I'm not I'm not sensing that an injection or, you know, that that vaccination would do me much good to prevent me because they didn't have hospitalizations. They didn't have difficulty breathing. They didn't have some of those other things. So, you know, I'm kind of on the uh, the fence about actually going through and getting one. I might, I might let my body just fight it if I do. Well, no no offense and don't take this personally, but I'm not a doctor, but I I think you already had COVID. I could, I could have. So I I don't know if there's a need for you to get it because you you said you had it in your school and a couple of the podcasts, you sounded a little bit hazy. So I'm going to, I'm going to say maybe you've already had it. Maybe. Hey, Jeremy, I I, I, I haven't. Maybe I should go, maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll go in and schedule my, well, I don't even know if I can get in to get a physical, but maybe I'll go get a physical and see if I actually have it, get some blood drawn. Here's, here's an idea, Jeremy. You you don't have to be, uh, it's not all or nothing. You can follow the, the great medical expertise and advice of Ryan. Uh, who will elect to only take one of the Moderna uh, or Pfizer shots, um, contrary to, I think, uh, nearly 100% of everybody else. I'm not even sure if they'll allow him to do that, but uh, you can just take one shot because that's a that's a brilliant approach um, from thorough and scientific research that Ryan has done. So there's another option it's for you. De- it's deep and detailed, yes. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if, Ryan, do you have a YouTube channel I can follow based on this stuff? Do you report on it every day? <laughs> I don't have a YouTube channel, but I will give you some good resources. So there's one guy called Dr. John Campbell. I would recommend him. He does a nice job. And there's another guy named Z-Dog MD. I recommend him too. Z-Dog MD. That's the one I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for right guy. Come on, man. Start the tube. So Ryan, in your research, have you seen that? And maybe I'm just imagining this, but isn't there some research out there that says that even after a person's been vaccinated, they can still carry the virus and give it to someone else? Is that still what people are assuming or not? They're assuming that to be safe, but the, the, best thinking right now is that it's very unlikely. It's, so in other words, if you're in a room, you've been vaccinated, somebody else has been vaccinated, it's nigh into impossible that there's going to be transmission of the disease going on. Yeah, I'm saying a person who tests positive, then a person who's been vaccinated could could get the virus and pass it to a person who has not been vaccinated. Have you seen anything on that? I thought I saw something about that. Yeah, I, I've not seen definitive evidence. They're thinking that if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be truly infected. If you if you do, your viral load is way down. I mean, I think it was Dr. Fauci I heard saying one time, speculating that, oh, you could get a viral particle on the back of your throat and maybe send that out. And some other virologists heard that and they're like, what is he talking about? So I think we need more information to come out on that. Okay, well, I'll go next. So for our house, um, yeah, at this point, I, I think both Jill and I will get um, vaccinated when the time comes. I, I think one benefit for us is, you know, we're, we'll be further down the list. So there'll be at least a few months, if not several months of kind of seeing what's happening with other people. We've had friends that work in healthcare who have already 
had both doses of, of a, one of the two shot um, vaccines and, you know, seems to have gone OK for them. They didn't get have major side effects or any any issues, really. So um, we, we've kind of seen some of that around our community. And, and our plan at this point is that we'll go forward with the vaccine when it's available to us. Don, how about you? Boy, all this all this information you guys are giving me is just is fascinating. Um, you know, I don't know, man, this I am. I'm going to be. Well, first thing is, is I don't think uh, vaccines are available for kids. So I don't think you guys have anything to worry about no. deciding on worrying or if your kids can get, should get vaccinated because it's not even available for them yet. And second of all, yeah, Jen and I will not be taking the COVID-19 vaccine. And it's not because we're not we're we're, we're anti-vaccine. Uh, we take the flu shot every year um, if we can. And. You know, I don't believe the government's going to be inserting a chip into us or anything like that. I'm, I'm completely on board with vaccines. That's fine. But it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, the science tells us that Jen and I and people of our age group are not targets of this disease. If you are over 50 years old, uh, yeah, maybe you should start thinking about getting the vaccine. The older you are, the higher priority you should be on the list. And the fact that there is just this confusion on how to administer and, and provide a vaccine is, is, and who's getting it is just baffling to me because the science tells us if you are in that age group of 55 and older, you, there should be no question. You should be seriously considering getting the vaccine. And the fact that we don't have distributions at elderly, you know, at hospitals or nursing homes, just waiting for, you know, for those people to, to protect those elderly people, because that's who it attacks. It's a misfortune that we are not able to identify that these vaccines should be getting to these elderly people first, because they're the, they're the ones that should be the most, are, are the, at the highest risk. And Another thing is, is that no governor or political health advisor, representative or senator, congressman should be determining for the American people who's an essential worker or not. I think that's a bogus, too. I think it's I'm I, I just think that if if you are, you know, for these teachers to, to claim that they need the vaccine before they can go back, if you are a teacher that's 50 years older or, or you don't have pre-existing in, uh, conditions, you should be getting the vaccine. But I don't understand. We've been pounding on the science ever since COVID and trying to figure it out. And while now for once we do have the science that over 128,000 elderly people have died of COVID that are 75 years and older. Um, and that's not even counting the 85 demographic where they have 146,000 people that have died. And then if we go down to 65, I got the numbers here, obviously just not labeling these off the top of my head, but at 65, we got 99,000, close to 100,000. And then it dramatically drops off between the 45 to 54, where only 20,000 have died. And the CDC has also said you're far likely to die of something other than COVID-19. <laughs> so, I mean, I just don't get the, that why we need to be standing in line and getting ready for this COVID vaccine if we are not in that age group where COVID is uh, going to, you know, we have a, a, a high risk. I just don't get it. Don, I agree. I, you know, is the more I think of it, the more, the more it, you know, taking, taking a, a vaccine just to, just to take it when again, and, and Ryan, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe we have had it. And I, you know, I'm not outside of thinking that's uh, out of the realm of possibility. 
And and if that would be the case, and I, I would come back and I'd have the antibodies, I would say that for about two weeks, my uh, uh, lingering cough and, you know, sinuses, which, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of the, uh, you know, some of the, the symptoms that are out there, although I don't know that, um, you know, to just to stand in line to get it. I think you're right, Don. But I have to say, though, that there are people with that are in our age group that do have some serious issues, whether whether it's lung or or heart related or something else that, you know, for them to get it and to to maybe help themselves, you know, ahead of time, it might not be a bad thing. But again, strong, healthy people who don't have any anything to really worry about or haven't worried about. My wife wrote this note to me in church because I'm playing in a basketball league and I'm sore and I'm not I'm not feeling great, you know, two days afterwards. She said this, we need to get control of our health. And I was like, you know, in the middle of church, like, what? <laughs> what prompted that? And we talked about it a little bit afterwards. And it's we need to eat right, have have, you know, good fluids in our body, think about exercise, do exercise and just be active. And you do feel much, much better. And God has gifted our bodies to, to miraculously bounce back from things, whether it's playing in a men's league basketball game or uh you know, serious bout with issues with, uh, with, you know, disease, but I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult topic. All right. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Um, I think for Michelle and I right now, I think we're in, in similar places, kind of what Ben was sharing, I think in terms of being young, knowing that we're a little bit farther down the line of people getting vaccines. And so we're, we're pretty content to wait right now. I think down the road, that could be something that we'll look into. But I, I'm not a, we're not opposed to getting this vaccine. But I think both of us are content to wait, first of all, because we don't have underlying conditions. Um, and we're not uh, in the age brackets that it tends to be as significant to. But also, I think both of us are content to just wait and see what some of the ramifications are of it, of people that are taking it um, and not be some of the early people that are adapt, uh, taking the vaccine. So we're content with that. Down the road, we'll see, you know, when the time comes, when we actually fit in with the plan for our state, um, for our age bracket. But yeah, thanks for sharing that, guys. I think obviously, I think it, it, in some ways, I heard um, Dr. Fauci interview this weekend and he, somebody asked him about the chances of Major League Baseball getting back to regular games with fans in the stands. And his first thing made me laugh a little bit. He said, well, that's a little bit of a moving target. And I said, I felt, I, in my mind, I thought, yeah, that's, that's apt. I feel like everything's a moving target right now uh, with COVID. But, um, uh, but I, I could see you know, the case in this. I could see that in this case being appropriate. So anyway, yeah, I guess we'll pass it to uh, Don for a little bit of fun. Hey, j- just a second before we start this next segment. Uh, Don, isn't Fauci your grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> or your brother? Uh, he's he's not my grandpa every year. No way related. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to get at there, funny guy. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen.
play some initials. And for the love, would somebody beat Ben? Uh, I think we played it three times, three weeks in a row here, and Ben's won every one. Wait a sec. Time, time out. Time out. Time out. Wait a sec. Don, did you get Ryan and I sent you certified mail? Uh, we actually addressed it to uh, six in the mix Supreme Court uh, care of Don talking about the last trivia game that you know, our contention that there was shenanigans. Uh, there was um, uh, foreknowledge. Uh, there was insider trading. Um, whatever came of that uh, uh, appeal, Don? Uh, I, as far as I know, that's still uh, being uh, looked at. And I know that uh, the, uh, the court is, has received your request. They will be looking into it. I can't say when it will be. Um, in fact, I know that they have a long list of other things that uh, need to be done. Like, uh, yeah, Judge Judy's booked, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, painting my bathroom. And uh, actually, actually, I was thinking that Don hired the NCAA to investigate those uh, <clears throat> those accusations because <laughs> you know the NCAA. I, I love I love the NCAA so much. They just announced recently that Oklahoma State's been charged with all kinds of counts of of uh, recruiting violations, but it's not going to be it's not going to be adjudicated until after right. mar- after you know the season finishes, where the number one player in America gets the chance to play in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so you know that's that seems appropriate. Or, he's a future Timberwolf, though, right? <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> no, no. So so Ryan, are, are we playing this? Uh, this episode's uh, trivia version under protest. We're going to participate, but would, would we not want to at least communicate that? I think that's certainly reasonable to to play this one under protest. So Ben has won supposedly won. Is this three weeks in a row now? Yes, this is yeah, three, weeks, but three weeks. Okay, in a row, so yeah. if he wins the next one, he's basically swept the World Series, right? So. I, I was I was fixing to knock him off the pedestal last week until Matt woke up and said moon landing. So. <laughs> All right. Well, and look to, out. Hey, we hey, got hey, Ethan back this week, so we're good. Yeah, we're going yeah, yeah, to give it back. And I got I, I've kind of skewed the, uh, the items maybe a little away from Ben, hopefully. So um. oh, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> please, please submit that as article number one in, in, in our prosecution for shenanigans from last episode. That was unsolicited. Shady away from Ben. That means it was shaded toward Ben last episode. No, just unbelievable. Let, let's just go back and look at the tape. I had Hold already on. locked up the victory last week until Don was going to add additional points to the last question. So at the worst, it would have been a tie last week before that even started. Don, in your press conference, can you just use the word circle back? Let's just circle back. (laughs) Can we circle back here? (laughs) We're going to put a pin in it. We're going to put it right here. We're not going to forget it. Come right back to it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. All right. So we got eight, right. we got eight items, eight items again, six clues each. Your name is your buzzer. I got a ninth item here for a tiebreaker if uh, if if need be. Are you guys ready for your to hear the initials? Let's do it. Yes. All right. The initials for the game are D S D S. Item number one. Clue number one. Created by Jeff Harris and Bernie Kukoff. 
Clue number two. First aired on TV Ethan. November. Go ahead, Ethan. I'm going to guess designated survivor. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Okay. Clue number two. Let me read again. First aired on TV November 3rd, 1978. Brian. Brian, go ahead. Different strokes. That is correct. Oh, wow. All right. To, uh, Love that show. That was a great show. Everybody has a special kind of story. Everybody <laughs> finds a way to shine. <laughs> what a what a classic! Love to tell. Great show. Yeah. What am I? What clue? you talking about, Willis? One of my clues was was uh, my last clue was the Gooch and Arnold did not get along in this TV sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Gooch. All right, we got Ryan with one. Here we go. Item number two. Clue number one is a major supplier of products like asphalt and fertilizer. Clue number two. It has a surface area of 234 square miles. Clue number three. The ancient Romans knew this as Palis as. Philatitis. Clue number four. Will be healed and made fresh. Clue number five. King Herod the Great built several fortresses and palaces on its western bank. Clue number six. With a 34.2% salinity, it is one of the world's... Even Stare uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I heard Ethan. Oh. Uh, Dead Sea. Doug. That. Ethan. That is correct. Yeah. What was the get, read through the, the clues once again? Major supplier of asphalt and fertilizer has a surface area of 234 square miles. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know it, it supplied. So they actually take from there to, to make this fertilizer and asphalt. Yeah. It's all the salt and. And uh, wow. OK, man, it's amazing. Um, I didn't. I didn't. A tip for a tip for traveling: if you ever go to the Dead Sea and you're going to swim, don't shave that morning. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> it's painful. Hey, have you have you done that, Ethan? Have yes. you been there? Did yes. you float? I mean, like just yes. bob like a stinking bobber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you start walking out, and I got to the point where the water was just about at my waist, and all of a sudden your feet <laughs> just start. Your feet just yeah, start lifting cannot, up in front of you. You cannot see. It's it's really, really difficult to keep your feet. You can't float kind of up upright. Your feet just start lifting up and you're kind of on your back before you even know it. Yeah, that's amazing. But it does it does hurt on fresh, freshly shaved skin. Oh, boy. <laughs> Quit shaving your legs, man. <laughs> I have disappointed you guys didn't get to get it after the, uh, the prophecy. I mean, you guys got to read up on your Bibles, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, the really, King Herod should have should have uh, clued me into that region. Better. Well, 
and the and the prophecy. I was thinking healed, the town. It, it will be healed and made fresh. That's a prophecy. It's it's. Uh, I think it's in Zechariah. Yeah, I All started right. thinking about baking goods when you said fresh. <laughs> Pop it. <and> fresh. <laughs> All right, let's go here. Item number three. We've got. Uh, well, actually, before we do that, item number three. We got Ethan with one and Ryan with one. Item number three. Clue number one. Played college basketball at the University of Kansas. Clue number two. Served in the U.S. Air Force, working as a head coach for the Academy's baseball and golf teams. Clue number three. In 1976, coached the U.S. basketball team to a gold medal at the Summer Olympics in Montreal. Ben. I can see his face. Go ahead, Ben. I don't think this is right. Dean Smith. That is correct. Yes, that is correct. Dean Smith. What are the scores? Uh, you have, uh, Matt, you don't have point. anything, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you clarifying that one point, Don. Appreciate that. All right, we've got, got through three items, and we've got Ryan with one, Ethan with one, and Ben with one. Item number four, clue number one. 35 nations took part in this. Clue number two. Resulted in 100 and... Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, no. Go ahead, Matt. (laughs) I'm going to say Desert Storm. I don't think we could hear Matt. Can we hear Matt? I can't. No way. I, he said Desert Storm. <laughs> he God. did say Desert Storm. <laughs> I said I Desert, have to fail desert Storm. Up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Can you guys not hear? <laughs> right, I'm sorry, Matt. Matt, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Repeat your answer. Desert Storm. <laughs> that is correct. Oh! Yes! Oh, I'm so glad the audio came back. <laughs> yes! yes! All right. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yes. All right. So we got Ben with one, Ethan with one, Ryan. Level one, playing field. And Matt with one. Item number five. Clue number one. Released his debut album via Capitol Records in 1994. Clue number two. Drafted by the Kansas City Royals in the sixth round. Ethan. I I, I jumped the gun, I think, but I'll say Deion Sanders. That is correct. Oh, Oh, nice, Ethan. Wow! I had a little hesitation there, as you said the as you said the as you well said done. the year, but decided to go with it. Well, so we got Ethan now pulling ahead with two. Everybody else has one except for Jeremy. Item number six. Clue number one. 
born in Arlington, Oregon, and nicknamed after his father. Clue number two. In 2014, was inducted into the Scandinavian American Hall of Fame. Clue Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Detlef Schrumpf. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Ryan is out of the uh, running here for item number six. Everybody can answer with their name. Clue number three. Landed a job as a studio musician for NBC in 1949. Clue number four. Principal pops conductor for several American orchestras. Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, that would be Doc. That Severson. is correct. Ah, <laughs> uh, the young, the young, the young buck coming yes. in strong. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, so we've got Matt with two, Ethan with two, everybody else with one except for Jeremy. I'm skunked. All right, here we go. Item number seven. Clue number one. It has an estimated population of 2,079,000. Clue number two. It was named the least livable city in the global livability ranking. Clue number three. It is the starting point of the King's Highway. Ethan, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess um, Dar El Salam. That is incorrect. <laughs> Clue number four. It was founded by Uz, the son of Aram. Clue number five. Its biblical meaning is silent is the sackcloth weaver. Clue number six. Considered one of the oldest continuously inhabited places in the world. No answer in four. Three. Wow, Ben. Two. Go ahead, Ben. I'm Damascus, Syria. That is correct. No way. Good <laughs> job, Ben. So they learned from last week, and now they're doing the opposite tactic. <laughs> Waiting for the last second. All right, so now we have a. I'm on the uh, last item here. We've got a tie of, with two. Right, so Matt, Matt Ethan, two. and Ben have two. Ryan's Matt, got Ethan one, I got zero. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, last item, item number eight. Clue number one. Born in 1799 in Virginia. Clue number two. 
fought Sandford in 1857. Clue number three. Its decision hastened the eventual beginnings to the American Civil War. Brian. Boy, did I hear Brian? I thought I heard Ryan first. I did hear Ryan first, too. Yes. Okay. Did Ethan ring in as well? Yes. Okay. So Ryan first. This will make it. Is this going to be a four-way tie? This would make it a four-way tie, yes. I'll I'll go with Dred, Dred Scott. That is correct. All right. Four-way tie. Wow. Wow. Going into item number nine with the tiebreaker, a reminder, item number nine is only three clues, but still with the initials DS. The tiebreaker item. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> hey, Ben, this, this is your clue you to ring in right now. <laughs> you, you know it right now. This would be it. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. man. Clue number one first appeared in New Orleans in 1823. Clue number two. First registered pharmacist in America started it. Ethan. Go ahead, Ethan. I'll say a drugstore. That is correct. Oh, Ethan man. Is the winner. Wow. Yeah. Good job, Ethan. Wow. Nice. Yep. Uh, clue number three was Walgreens, CSV, or CSV, yeah. CVS, and Rite Aid are its largest examples. Good job, Ethan. Well done. Man, I think I have, I think I have more adrenaline and nerves running through my body right now than I did even playing baseball back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ethan takes down Ben. Now we have uh, somebody else on the board here finally. All right. Good job, guys. Good work, Don. That's a fun, that's a fun game. We'll move into calling your shot for this week. And this week we are finishing up the month of February, which means we are on the precipice of March, which for college basketball fans means one thing, March Madness. And uh, the, the six of us guys have been in and around uh, basketball and cheering for teams in the Big Ten for a good portion of our lives. So some of us cheer for the Gophers, some of us cheer for the Hoosiers, some of us just love watching the sport. Uh, So I thought we would call some shots today and say, each one of us, how many Big Ten teams will make it to the NCAA tournament? And I think, Ben, did you say there are 14 teams in the Big Ten nowadays? Even though it's called the Big Ten, there are 14 teams? Yes, sir. So not the most appropriately named conference in the world at this point. But nonetheless, out of the 14 teams eligible... Uh, once they get through their Big Ten tournament, and of course, whoever wins that would get an automatic berth, how many will end up in the big dance? And I don't even know the start dates, but we know it's going to be held in the state of Indiana. So let's go around and see uh, if we've been following and what the prediction is, because some have said the Big Ten is by far the strongest conference in the NCAA this year. And so with, with that, how many of our 14 teams will make it? So let's start with Jeremy today. Jeremy, what a 
you're in Wisconsin, so you, you're you're around a pretty good team most most years. Yeah, and typically, I mean, Wisconsin has showed well, um, and you know, I. I, I don't even necessarily know why um, it, we draw from a lot of, I guess some of, most of the players are, are really kind of just Midwesterners. Um, we don't really pull in quite a, you know, uh, from, from the coast or anything like that, although there's sprinkled in there. Anyway, it's just kind of fun to watch, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that we are going to have the big 10 is going to have seven teams in the big in the in the tournament this year seven teams so is, half, is my half guess of the 14 correct correct okay. and you know what there's some of them that are going to play their way in here in the last little bit here i think they're going to they're just going to really rise to the occasion and and over the years you you watch you go back and look at some of those uh some of those standings uh and former former tournaments and we we just we have a big presence and a big showing and usually we do pretty well in the sweet 16 so We'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm gonna say seven. Okay, and let's let's remind everybody. If if I don't remind everybody, Jeremy will. But he he predicted the Super Bowl champ, so he's he's on a bit of a roll with calling your shot predictions. Okay, let's uh, send it over to the uh, recently crowned uh, initials game winner, Ethan, for his prediction. Well, basketball is not my uh, my first love, but. I'm actually I'm actually going to go with uh, I'm going to actually pick seven with Jeremy. But the, part of the reason for that is because I think it's a little bit of a trick question. I, I don't I don't count uh, Maryland and and Rutgers really as Big Ten schools. So because um, I live in ACC country and so Maryland's still an ACC school. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to say that they don't count even if they get in. So I'm going to say seven true Big Ten schools will get in because I think Michigan State will find a way to sneak in somehow, some way they'll get in. So I think it's going to be seven as well was the number I'd picked. Come on, man, seven. And you're, you're excluding two teams that are in the big 10 conference. So are you really saying nine or seven? I'm saying seven. All right. Got you down. Matt, how about you? Well, I think, uh, I think the question actually gave away the answer. Um, I'm going to say 10, 10 Big Ten teams will make the tournament. Wow. All right. That's quite a jump from our first two predictions. But you're, you are our eternal optimist. So we'll, we'll mark you down for 10. All right. That'll take us back to a couple of uh, home state boys. Don, what do you think? Yeah, I was gonna. I was going to agree with Matt. I think yeah, they're gonna Big Ten's gonna live up to their name. They're gonna send ten, ten teams to the tournament, and I think two of them, two of them will be number one seeds with uh, Ohio State and probably Michigan being the number one seeds. Yeah, Michigan just pounded pounded my Hoosiers. Sadly, probably ruined their hopes. Okay, so we've got two guesses of seven, two guesses of ten. And uh, so it leaves Ben and me to agree on a number, apparently. So, Ben, let's see if you're thinking what I'm thinking. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Well, I was also going to say 10, but I can't really count on Ryan's Hoosiers to make the tournament. So (laughs) I'm going with nine. I'm going with nine. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. And the dumpster fire that has been the Minnesota Gophers the last two weeks has really been disappointing. I mean, they've beaten Michigan, they beat Iowa, they they've beaten Ohio State. They just they've just gotten hurt, and they're no bench, and they've gone into the tank. So they're they're uh, 
CBI bound, if that's still a tournament. So um, I'm going with nine, though, Ryan. Yeah, and I thank you. I confess I have not had as much interest with the downfall of my Hoosiers lately, but are there still regular season games to be played this coming week or not? Yeah. There, yes, there are. Okay. That will, that will inform my answer. So knowing that now I'm also going to say nine. So I think in the Gophers and Hoosiers are definitely out, but Michigan state will probably find a way to sneak in. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with nine. So we have a nice split seven, 10 and nine uh, are the three, the three numbers. So we'll see. It's, pro- it's probably going to be eight and we'll all be wrong, but that's fine. Well, thanks, guys. We'll see. We'll keep track. I've got my sheet. Jeremy's got his sheet of integrity backing me up. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. So we'll turn it over to uh, Ben for his feel-good story of the week. Thanks, Ryan. Feel-good story of the week this week was uh, an article I saw a couple days ago. Thought it was thought it was kind of cool. There was a uh, high school senior basketball player in Wakefield, Michigan. Uh, he played a game. Uh, he had been there watching the JV game before his varsity game and noticed an opposing player on the JV team uh, was running around as a pretty worn-out non-basketball uh, tennis shoes. And so he uh, got a hold of the athletic director and donated a pair of his uh, tennis shoes to this JV player for an opposing team. So I I tried to think back to my uh, basketball days, if I would have ever been uh, kind enough to donate a pair of shoes to an opposing team member. And I'm not sure that I would have. So this guy was a good inspiration for me. But I thought it was kind of a fun little story. So that's my feel-good story of the week. Uh, A high school basketball player saw a need uh, from an opposing school and donated a pair of his basketball shoes over to that JV player so he'd have some better kicks to get through the end of the season. Let me be very clear, having roomed with you for a time, you would not have donated any shoes. I couldn't look at your shoes. I couldn't touch your shoes. You would not have given away any of your shoes. Do high school players now have multiple pairs of shoes to play in? I mean, I remember going to Goodwill and, you know, scouring the racks for months just to try and get a pair of Nikes (laughs) instead of having to go to uh, Payless and play with some ponies. Yeah, apparently this gentleman does anyway. Man. Huh. Did you guys have team shoes in high school and or college? Yeah, because... College, I thought we did yep. one year. We got those yeah, white and blue ones, Ben. You remember that? I think it was shoes. only one year, though. We flew us up to Alaska, and we had a little extra in the uh, pot. We bought. We bought. That was our. That was our shoe game. University of Alaska really? Fairbanks flew the, us up there. They paid I don't, for us. To I get don't up recall there. it. They flew us up there. We went there. We got trashed. Yeah, with two I remember games that. As uh, that Eskimo comes out and just like you know puts his hand in the hoop, we're all looking at it like, hmm, this will go well. They had that that guard that could shoot from anywhere inside half court. And then the next game, you remember the next game? They didn't even dress their first six. They were like, okay, we're not even going to dress them. <laughs> we got destroyed. We got home. I still, yeah. I still have a picture. In fact, I have a picture of Ben and Matt and I in the airport. You know, behind us is this big bear, this, this big Kodiak bear. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to come up with that and screenshot it to you guys because, uh, yeah, I just came across that like a couple of days ago. It was great. Hey, it was a fun trip, though. We just had oh. to get pummeled on a couple of basketball games, yeah. so we had we had some fun while we were up there. Yeah, we hit the North Pole and everything up there. It was great. That was a great time. Saw the pipeline. That yeah, was a great. What a great. 
All righty. Uh, moving into Fix Your Eyes, we're continuing our, our journey into sanctification. And uh, we're going to take a look and stop in Romans 6 today. So I want to read that, and then we'll have a question that we'll engage with um, as we close out the episode. So Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, it's interesting this, you know, Romans 6 passage, you know, we we all probably memorize Romans 6:23 as uh, a kind of a salvation verse. It's interesting, though, you know, kind of reading the whole context, uh, there's a lot in Romans 6. So the question, just I'm posing to the group, and uh, you can interact with this one and other thoughts that you have, but what role does Jesus's death and our death in him play in our sanctification? Um, and we will start with uh, Ben. It's a lot to to unpack in this chapter. There, there's a ton in here. And I think, you know, the, I guess the first comment I would make is something that I think the first week we talked about sanctification that Ethan said is really, you know, one of the things you need to know, and it needs to transfer from knowledge to, applic- you know, to actual application and, and living it out in your life is just the position that we have in Christ. The 
we are not fighting against our sin nature just out of our own um, natural abilities or natural skills, right? We have gotten a supernatural power that God and, and that we that we accept when we accept Jesus into our lives, and so we we have the potential to continue down the road of sanctification and it's really it's only because of that position and that um you know supernatural ability that you know i I, in a church this morning one of the comments our pastor made he just talked about really digging talked about it's from a, a, a chapter in colossians about about having the gospel rooted in you and he just talked about it kind of in a similar concept that it's not about us, you know, rooting ourselves. It's about uh, allowing God to really root down and take uh, take a hold down deep into our lives. And that it's not that we can do it of our own ability, but we need God's help. And God really needs to do the work. We just need to to ask for it and be open to it and let God do the work in our lives. So that, that yeah, that'd be my opening thought anyway. Supernatural just describes grace almost uh, to a T almost. I mean, it is truly something that um, is incomprehensible at at, at times. And um, I love the, when he, when at the beginning it says, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And that's a question. He says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And that's that the story of grace, I mean, it's just so powerful. It it consumes everything that, and I, I, I reminded of a book um, called The Grace Awakening by uh, Charles Swindoll. And man, that, I've read that book a couple of times. I've have studied it with um, some some guys at church, and uh, we. And this book is just fantastic. Talks about grace and and just how you know how 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 we can how can we fully comprehend what grace really is, and just getting your arms around it and. He says, you know, what Paul says there is, is more wonderful, uh, or I'm sorry, God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Of course not, since we have died to sin. Because we have accepted Christ into our lives, we have that supernatural power living within us. That sin nature is, 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 is in, that, in that constant battle and, and now is, is all of a sudden taken uh, as held in step is is uh, taken into account for for what's happening and and it's that battle for the ages that we're that we're 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 seeing played out in our lives and I just love the the idea of grace and how that works into and weaves into this passage. In verse four, it says, "We're buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from uh, the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life." Here's here's my first thought: is that Without Christ, we die alone, and it is it's 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 awful because we are forever then separated with Him. So when we accept Christ and He is in our hearts and is in our lives, and His Spirit is moving within us, and the grace that you know both Don and Ben talked about is granted and gifted to us, we are given not just that death, but we're also given the power of the resurrection and the power over death, which then accomplishes the, the you know what's la- what Paul later says in that chapter. But in verse five, it says. For if we have been united with him in death, in other words, we have we have taken that connection with him. Yes, death is fearful and it's scary and it can be lonely. However, 
We are no longer dying alone. We are with him. So it says, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, which ultimately gives us his righteousness, which is a legal declaration of complete, utter perfection. And God sees the righteousness that was Christ, that was his sons, but he sees it on us and therefore says, you're declared one of mine. You are mine. So to not die alone, to be with united with Christ, to experience that, and then to be given all of the spiritual blessings like, you know, Paul, Paul references in Ephesians chapter one, uh, my, my heart jumps with joy knowing that I no longer have to, you know, be part of that, that old self. I I'm, I'm dead to sin. And uh, I don't have to let it rain in my mortal body because I have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate power. You can't get you can't get any more powerful than that. No, good thoughts, too. Appreciate what you three guys have shared. Uh, moving on to Ryan. As I considered the questions you posed to us regarding Romans six here, um, I guess the two verses I, I keyed in on in response to your questions related to Christ's death and the the, the death to sin we should experience in our lives are verses 11 and 12, which I'll go back and read those. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So based upon what Christ has done, that we are we are expected to do the same thing in terms of how we live our lives. And then verse 12, what's what's what does that look like even further? Do not let sin, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And for me, I, I just think as we've dwelled on this um, this passage of Scripture, thinking about sanctification, and I, I'd be curious, I didn't do this, but if you were to go through this chapter and then other parts of Paul's writings, there is a large focus on death, sin, what, what that meant for Christ, what that means for us, what is expected for us now that we are, as Jeremy said, righteous in his eyes when we come to faith in Christ. And for me, I don't know about you all, but this is most vivid in my mind when we take communion. So when we think, when we go through communion, we read 1 Corinthians 11. We are having that time where we're reflecting, and thankfully the Lord gave us this opportunity. He, he authorized communion for it to be a time to look back and reflect and remember. Uh, and for me, speaking for myself, it, it, I need to do this more. I, I need to be, have this reflection more as I think back to what Christ went through, not only the victory that that gives with what he did on the cross and taking my sin, but how then I should be living that same type of crucifixion out in my life with the sin as he took all of that for me. So I guess I'm challenged to think about not just going back to the cross when we take the bread and the drink, but I need to be thinking about this every day because I, I, I did a little bit of a Google search on these topics before we before our podcast night. Just amazing how widespread throughout this New Testament that the, these ideas are about death to sin based upon what Christ did in his death for us. And so it's it's remarkable. And I, I just fear that not only for me, but probably for a lot of Christians, it's easy to just go on with life and, and lose sight of the, of the pain and the excruciating um, judgment that, that Christ faced for us. Some good, some good things from each of you guys. I 
It's such an encouragement. I think uh, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat things that you guys have said. I think you guys covered a lot of it. One of the things that I think this passage reminds me of um, when it comes to sanctification is just the frequency with which Paul speaks here about the idea of freedom. He says, we've been set free. We've been set free. We've been set free. We've been set free. He's just beating it into our heads as we go through the chapter. And one of the things that um, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago when we started talking about this, when we, when we talked about our position that Ben referenced um, and our condition was just kind of gaining a picture of, you know, we talk about justification uh, and we talk about sanctification. Uh, but one of the images that helps me is that idea of freedom. Um, and so when we think about when I think about the concept of justification, it, it becomes vivid if I remember, or it becomes more vivid when I remember that because of Christ's death on the cross for me, yes, he's justified me, but he even more vividly he's set me free from the penalty of my own sin um, and that I don't have that weight to bear. Uh, and I love what, what Jeremy said, that your heart jumps, your heart leaps. And I think when I dwell on the truth of what God says that he has done in terms of bearing the penalty of my sin, my heart leaps. But also the other part of it, I think that's so encouraging is Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead. And as a result of that, he gives, and I think Jeremy talked about this effectively, he gives us the process of sanctification, but he gives us freedom from the power of sin. He, he breaks the power of sin in our lives. And so we are no longer dead, as he says in Ephesians 2, um, in our trespasses and sins, we have hope. We have the ability in Christ to um, achieve to achieve um, sanctification and and to see Him transform us. But one of the things that I that I have to remind myself, my heart often sometimes goes back um, and and forgets things that are true about who I am, about my identity in Christ. And and one of the things that I have to remember, um, I think. Uh, Ben's comment about the verse in Colossians 3, I think is, is so appropriate because it's one of my favorite passages in Colossians 3, verse 6. Um, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up. And and ultimately, you know, as, as God's changing and transforming and sanctifying our hearts, ultimately, we have to have a greater love. Um, I think this passage even talks about it here of how we should present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, instruments of righteousness and over and over. And the more that we focus our eyes on our greater love of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the more that it begins and continues to accelerate that process of sanctification. Because if, if it's just on us, um, it's, it's going to take, it doesn't work. Uh, but the more that I reorient my heart and my life to this greater love of who Jesus is and what he's done, the more that it empowers and fuels the hunger and the and the love for him and the desire to see him transform me more and more. And so I know as I as, as I read Romans six, I think that's that's what lights the fire in me a little bit of just living in that freedom and knowing that um, he is the greater love. He is the ultimate love that fuels that fire of sanctification. No, that's some great thoughts, guys. I, I really appreciate that. I think, I think you all underscored it and get a different perspective. That's what I love about you know, hanging out with you guys is you guys see it from different angles. 
you know, answering that question, what role does Jesus's death and our death in him play in our sanctification? Yeah, I think Paul would answer that in, the, in, in, in much in every way. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a critical theme, a core theme, as you guys, as Ryan, as you kind of called out uh, throughout. And I think you know, we talk a lot about our our position in Christ. And I think in one sense, we focus that or it was focused as we grew up a lot, you know, on our salvation. And, OK, now I'm going to heaven and, and you know, things are things are good. Um but I wonder in some sense, uh, some sense, if we kind of almost like a, an easy believism, like, hey, I'm good now. Now I'm just going to kind of coast. I'll I'll follow the track that is laid out for me with, you know, Christian school or Christian college or churches and those types of things. And we miss the fact that, you know, within this passage, yes, the positional truth that he died for us, we died in him. He's resurrected. We're resurrected in him. I think we we understood that to a certain extent, but yet there's principles in there that Paul says, like, you still have a responsibility to present yourself as members in that truth. You still have responsibility. There's still action that you need to take. And I think, you know, if we go back to the last podcast, we talked about the importance of, you know, the word of God and in, and how the Holy Spirit uses that. And we walk with the spirit as we're, you know, inputting the word of God as we're, uh, as we're, we're having God's truth and God's, um, you know, God's word in us. That's, that's really the, uh, the critical thing. But I think for me, as I struggle, because the one question I struggle with is, okay, why does a dead man sin? Right. So if I have been, if I've been buried with him, in baptism, I'm dead. I'm raised to newness of life. Then why do I sin? I think that's a struggle, but I think that, I think that comes from, I think a heart that wants it to be easy. <laughs> and and I think when it's, when it's easy, if, you know, I'm not, I'm not just a puppet that God pulls every string. Now he, he, he radically saved me, but God gets glory in that progressive sanctification as we continue continually yield. And I think it's important for us to go deeper and deeper in our understanding and not just be satisfied with what we know or have known in the past, but to go deeper in that. Because I think as we understand that truth better than practically, we're able to apply the positional truths in ways that give us freedom over our, uh, over the sins that tend to, tend to dominate us you know, for us each individually, that I think God wants to get glory out of helping us make progress in that. I don't think any of that's instantaneous. I think, man, I'm going to be turning 42 here in July. And I'm like, man, I feel like I should be so much further along in so many areas. But yet, you know, like just his grace in so many ways, it, it says, keep persevering, keep persevering. I think, at the end, he says, you know, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And I think he's, he's talking a lot about perseverance. And um, I think it's a, it's a critical passage to understand. I think we've touched on some good points, but um, I think we just probably scraped the surface of it, too. So we'd certainly commend this passage for more thought, uh, for more consideration. I do have a resource. Uh, it's, it, it's by uh, John Piper. Yeah, he's my guy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he has a message he preached in 2011 entitled, I Act the Miracle. And on the surface, it might sound heretical, like, oh, man, what are you talking about? Listen to it. It, it, it He starts in Romans 6, and he, he shares some practical learnings that he had. And at that time, he was, what, 60, mid-60s, um, and just 
then getting some understanding. But I think it, it, it really help, helps for me put into practice and understand a little bit more. How does Romans 6 practically apply to change the behaviors and the sins that, that, I, that I struggle with? So um, some good things there. I do have a teaser for next week. I got homework for the guys. So we're going to deal with what do we do when we sin? We know we wish we didn't. We know we're dead. We know we should live for righteousness, but we do sin. So the question is that each of the guys are going to answer, uh, what do we do when we sin? Um, so you'll share your own practical steps with some scriptural support. And I certainly look forward to hearing how, how you guys individually uh, deal with sin. Um, how, do we, how do we respond when that happens, when either we're made aware of it ourselves or somebody points it out? Uh, how do we restore the relationship and those types of things? So uh, certainly looking forward to that. But that's a wrap on episode 26 on this, the 28th day of February, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.